0: Father, we as we come to this story again of Lot and uh, as we look at what happens to his wife, how she's turned into a pillar of salt, Father, just help us to learn uh, the lesson that's embedded in this story. Lord, a warning that's embedded in this story, a warning for all of us, Lord, who call ourselves Christians. Uh, there's a danger that maybe uh, we're still living... Uh, maybe outside the world but our heart is still in the world and that that's what happened to Lot's wife and she was destroyed because of that and we don't want that to happen to anybody here Lord so let today be a day where we all check our hearts and make sure that that uh, our hearts are with you and not with this world. Father we can only have hearts like that by the power of your Holy Spirit It comes through faith in the blood of Jesus Christ and and we just thank you for that blood. We thank you for what he's done for us. And we thank you for the new life we have in him, Lord. And we look forward uh, to the day when this world is your world. And and uh, these issues won't even be relevant in our society. We just, again, thank you for for this word. And uh, we ask you to bless this study. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Lord, right, again, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Genesis first book in the Bible chapter number 19 and we'll be picking up there and let's kind of set the setting where we left off last time if you remember uh, the two angels had told lot that Sodom was about to be destroyed and that he had better get out of Dodge and uh, uh, that they had seen firsthand just how wicked the cities in that area had become how perverted they had become uh, and And this perversion wasn 't just in a certain area of Sodom, it was everywhere in every quarter in every religion and then Sodom was an international city, and all the people of all the nations were engaged in this uh, every race was engaged in this, and worse than that, it was generational uh, It was a generational sin, both young and old came to kill these angels and rape these angels and and uh, so when, ascent, when, when immorality becomes generational, there's really no hope left for that society because if the young are into it, then, of course, their young are going to be into it. And at some point, God in his mercy is going to destroy a nation or a city that uh, uh, becomes like that. So the day had come for Sodom and her sisters to be destroyed. And so early that morning before dawn, the angels tell Lot, get anyone who's yours, your family or your friends, and anybody that will come with you and leave the city immediately. Well, obviously Lot didn't have any friends, because we saw in that story last week that all the men of the city came to to kill those angels and rape those angels, and. Remember what they told Lot. We're tired of you judging us, being our judge. And when we're done with these angels, we're going to do worse to you than we did to them. And so obviously he didn't have any friends, but he did have family. And so uh, he went to his family. He went to his sons-in-laws and, and, and his daughters and, and his grandchildren. He said, look, we got to get out of here. we got to get out of here right now because... Because God's about to destroy this city. This whole Jordanian plain's about to go up and smoke. It. So we got to get out of here. And what did they say? You know, all you fathers here on Father's Day, it's a great lesson for you here. What did they say? They thought Lot was a big joke. They thought he was a joke and they thought he was joking. What he was saying was a big joke. They didn't take him seriously. Why would they take him seriously? Because his whole life was embedded in, in, the, in Sodom and in his depravity. I mean, he was part of it. And so now all of a sudden he's saying the city's going to be condemned and we've got to get out of here. They laughed at him. And so none of them left with him but his uh, wife and two daughters. And that's what we're going to pick up in the story uh, beginning in verse number 15. It says, When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife. I mean, you have no friends. None of your sons-in-laws or your grandchildren or your daughters are going to go with you other than these two daughters. Now, I wonder why his wife and two daughters were willing to go, and the other family members weren't, because they had seen what happened the night before. They had seen how perverted this city really was. They had seen how dangerous it was to continue living in that city, and so they were going to go. But anyway, he says, when the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of this city." Now, I'm pretty sure at this point, the angel of the Lord had returned, and he's with these angels, and he's the one who's speaking here. And I'm going to be able to show you that here in just a few minutes. But, but uh, no doubt he's back on the scene. And uh, Lot's wife and his two daughters have agreed to go because of what they had seen the night before. But they still were lingering. We're going to get a picture here. They still didn't really want to leave. I mean, and you can understand that because they had, she had grandchildren there, she had family there, she had daughters there, she had sons-in-laws there, and and uh, their home was there, there and and they lived in prosperity there, and they and they probably weren't going to live in prosperity any longer once they left Sodom. They were leaving all their material goods. They they really were just basically taking the shirt off their backs and a few other things, and that was it. And 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 so. Uh, even though it had almost cost them their lives, they were still lingering. They weren't really ready to leave Sodom. Sodom, so look at verse number 16. And while Lot and his wife lingered, the man took hold of them. I mean, They're have to be drug out of there. That's, that's really sad. But the man, the man took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, and the Lord, being merciful to him, I mean, why is the Lord doing this? Because of his mercy. And they brought him out and set him and them outside the city. Now, they loved Sodom so much that they really, literally, had to be drugged out of there in order to leave. Or otherwise, they would have been destroyed. And and, and you would have thought at this point, the angels would have said, you know, enough is enough with you guys. If you love this place so much, just stay here and, and die with it because it's about to be destroyed. And, and, uh, and you would think, you would have said, you know, tough. You're, we're out of here. But the Lord, why the Lord get them out of there? Because the Lord is merciful. Thank goodness that the Lord is merciful because none of them, none of us would make it. And I wonder about us. I wonder about us when... Judgment comes, and judgment is coming, by the way. It's coming to America. It's coming to this world. And I wonder about us. I mean, I mean, think about it a minute. Are we really ready to give up the physical comforts of this modern society in which we live? I mean, are we really ready to do that? I mean, I really believe that heaven is going to be a culture shock for most of us. I mean, when you get to heaven, there's not going to be any CNN. Nor Fox. There's not going to be any TV. There's not going to be any movies. There's not going to be any Internet. There's not going to be any golf. And imagine this, if you can, there's not going to be any motorcycles. I mean, it's going to be totally different. From this world in which we live in right now, so be honest with yourself: Is your heart set here on this earth, and the things that you own on this earth, and the things you're doing on this earth, or is your heart really set in heaven? We're told to set our mind on things above. How do we set our mind on things above? We—it's we, where our focus is. I mean, to set something means you that you 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 set it like in concrete your focus should be on the things of heaven on Christ on worshiping Christ your focus should be in prayer your focus should be in worship now we got to live our lives and i and i understand that but i think for a lot of us we're so worldly we're not much different from lot and lot's wives his wife and his two daughters i mean we we're, we're, we're right there and and uh Thank God for his mercy because if it was left to us, I think some of us would cling to this world even if we heard the trumpet blow. It'd be like, oh, goodness, I don't want to leave. I'm having a good time today. I don't want to leave today. I've got plans for tomorrow. I'm buying a new house. I'm getting a new truck. I'm, I'm getting married. I'm doing whatever. And I, and, and, and I don't want, I really, let's, let's do this heaven thing a little later on. But thank goodness the Lord is merciful. And he'll drag us out of here just like he drug Lot out of here if we have real faith. Now, Lot had real faith. We're going to see that in a minute. But the only reason they ever made it out wasn't any merit of their own. It was strictly God's mercy. Now, verse number 17, it says, And while he lingered, I'm sorry, verse number 17, So it came to pass when they had brought them out, that he said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you nor stay anywhere in the plain. Don't linger back. you got to get out of here. Escape to the mountains lest you be destroyed. Now, I've got to tell you, if, these, if the Lord himself, the angel of the Lord was there, and two angels, and they told me, You better get out of Lafayette quick. I would get out of Lafayette. I would think I'd want to get out of Lafayette quick. And they told me to go to the mountains. That would be fine because I love the mountains. But Lot didn't like the mountains. And so, 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 so Lot said to them, listen to what he says. Lot said to them, please know my lords. Now, really, literally, he says, no Adonai, no Lord. That's the literal translation there. No, Lord, I don't want to leave and go to the mountains. Don't make me go to the mountains. You know, you see the problem with that? You see the contradiction in terms? No and Lord? You don't tell the Lord no. If he's really your Lord, you don't tell the Lord no. I mean, I'm reminded of Peter. You remember Peter and, and, and the Lord brought that? Sheet down from heaven and it had unclean animals and clean animals on it and Peter was this orthodox Jew and he wouldn't eat anything unclean and the Lord said take and eat and the Peter said not so Lord and that's funny to me because if he was really Lord the first thing you're going to do if he's Lord is do what the Lord says and I, how often we do the same Lord no I'm not going to do that or Lord I don't want to do that I mean here was Lot and he didn't want to go To the mountains. And so, uh, you know, for the Lord to tell you to do something and then in the same breath tell him no, you call him Lord and then tell him no, then he's not really your Lord. You really haven't come to a place where Jesus is really Adonai. He's really your Lord just because you call him Lord. You've only come to a place where he's truly your Lord, when when he says to do something, no matter how simple it is, you immediately do it. And I tell you what, that's how you're blessed as a believer. When you can really, truly come to that place where the Lord is really, really Lord, you're going to be really, really blessed because the Lord will be your shepherd and you shall not want he'll lead you besides still waters he'll lead you to green pastures i mean he's going to take you somewhere good if you let him be lord but too often we call him lord but we don't let him be lord then verse number 19 this is what lot says he says he goes on he says indeed now your servant has found favor in your sight you guys are really nice guys to get me out of here and not destroy me but lot is always wanting a compromise He's always, he's carnal. And he's always wanting to compromise and have one foot in the world and one foot in heaven. And so he says, Indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight. And you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains. You know, I'm not going to do that. Lest some evil overtake me and I die. Adonai, Lord. I know you. I know you've shown me a lot of mercy, but I need some more. I need one more favor. Don't make me go to the mountains. Please find me a city. I mean, it could be a little bitty city, but find me a city that I can escape to. I mean, after all, you know, Lord, I'm a city boy. I mean, you can even sell a city if you want to but I'm not going to make it in the mountains. they got lions in the mountains, and they got snakes in the mountains, and they don't have grocery stores, and they don't have malls. So, so don't send me to the mountains, please. Verse number 20. Look at, look at verse number 20. See now, the, he, he's going to show them on a map. Look at this. The, this city is near enough to flee to, and it's a little one. You know, it won't be near as wicked as Sodom. It's a little bitty city, and I'm, I'll be a little bitty city boy. You know, I won't be a mountain boy, but I'll be a little bitty city boy. And, 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 and please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? He says it again. And my soul shall live. In other words, you're going to save my body, but you're going to kill my soul if you send me to the mountains. So we want my soul and body to live, don't we, guys? So, so please let me, let me uh, go to this little bitty, itty bitty city. And then look at verse number 21. And he said to him, see, I have favored you concerning this thing also in that. Uh, this is surprising to me that the Lord is is actually going to grant his request. I mean, if I was Lord and all of y'all be thank goodness, the Lord didn't like me. But if I was Lord, I'd say, dude, you, that, enough is enough. Bam, you're out of here. I'm through with you. But the Lord says, and, he, and the Lord says to him, see, Adonai says, I have favored you concerning this thing also in that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken the one you showed me on the map hurry escape there for I'm not going to do anything until you arrive there because I don't want you getting harmed and look at the mercy of the Lord on this guy therefore the name of the city was called Zor which, which means little city and the sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zor Zor Little city, sunrise, lots there, and now comes this great judgment. And and look at verse 24. Then the Lord, Jehovah, you see it in caps there. The Lord on earth called down, this is Adonai, this is the angel of the Lord. That's why I told you he's there now. The Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Now you got the Lord twice there. See you see the two two persons of the Trinity there. You see the Son on earth and you see the Father in heaven. It's the same Lord. It's Jehovah God. Uh, the the Son on earth calls down this fire and uh, the Lord in heaven sends down the fire. And so he overthrew it but it's not plural there. It's he, the Lord, overthrew those cities all the plain and all the inhabitants Of the cities and everything that grew on the ground. Now, there's all sorts of materialistic explanations to how God did this. That whole area, because it's the Jordanian plan, and I'm not going to get into the geological factors there in detail, but it's heavily, it's full of, we saw in chapter 14, it was full of tar pits. You remember those guys falling into tar pits? And it also was full of salt because the Jordanian river comes down from the Galilee and dumps right there and leaves all this salt residue. And so it was full of salt and it was full of tar pits and so it was a highly combustible area. Uh, and and so some people say what took place was there was a volcano that was followed by an earthquake and it just all exploded and blew up. Uh, some people just said that the Lord sent lightning down from heaven, the lightning hit the tar pits and, the, and, and uh, all of a sudden it just exploded. That certainly could happen, but I... I, I believe this is a supernatural miracle right here. I believe that the Lord called fire, the Lord himself called fire down from the Lord in heaven and destroyed those cities. And because it was in that highly combustible area, it had to be one heck of an explosion. But he called it down, just like Elijah called down fire from heaven. Remember, and he consumed, consumed that altar that had been drenched in water and it was totally consumed. Well, that was a miracle. Well, if the Lord could do a little miracle, he could do a big miracle. And really, that's not that big of a miracle. Let me tell you what. The Lord could send fire down right now and destroy this whole universe. He holds it all together. He can just let it go, and it'll, it'll all explode. And so this really isn't a big thing for the Lord to destroy these cities with fire and brimstone coming down from heaven. And, and I believe it's a supernatural event, and that's what he did. But, but i got to tell you, it was one heck of an explosion. And it could be felt and heard for hundreds and seen for hundreds and hundreds of miles. That's how big it was. Now look at verse number 26. Here we go. then we get to the heart of this text. But, but, his wife looked back behind him. Now, she's behind him, so that tells us she's lingering back. Okay, she's not just... She's not just right behind him. She's lingering back and she's looking back. She's looking back to Sodom and she became a pillar of salt. And I've said this over and over again. There are good butts in the Bible and there are bad butts in the Bible. This is a bad but. But it is a very significant butt. One of the most significant buts in the entire Bible. Because it serves as a warning to us, to every one of us. I believe if Jesus was standing in this room right now, he would say this to every one of us. Remember what he said in Luke chapter 17. Flip there for a minute. Luke 17 Looked down at verse number 32. What does he say there? What's the warning he gives us? Luke 17, 32. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. What's he mean by that? Well, let me tell you what he means. It's a severe warning to not do what Lot's wife did. And what did she do? She kept drifting back towards Sodom. And she looked back towards Sodom. And when those explosions took place, and all of that salt in that area went in the air, it came back down and formed a pillar of salt over the top of her body. and Something similar to what you see on the cover of your bulletin now you actually go there today and you can see these pillars of salt almost everywhere that more than likely happened from this very explosion we're talking about when these fire and brimstone came down and then threw all that salt there and it came back and landed and settled it with heat it became these pillars of salt and she got buried under one of those pillars of salt now why did she keep looking back that's what we want to think about here for a minute why was she looking back I mean I mean I think if she just looked back to say wow look at that I don't think she would have died it wasn't that she kept looking back because her body had left the wickedness of Sodom but her heart was still there you know you can come down the aisle, we don't do invitations here, but in a Baptist church, you can come down the aisle and say, I believe in Jesus Christ, and you can get baptized and you can do all those sorts of things, and you you could say, you can take your body and do things with it. But what really matters is what have you done in your heart. I mean, and one of the ways you measure your salvation is your worldliness. Now, you know, you look at Lot and And God, I don't know if anybody could be much more worldly than he was. So you can be saved and be worldly, but that's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. Because if you're worldly, there's a danger that your heart is still in this world. And your heart hasn't been given over to the Lord. And and, and so there's this warning here, remember Lot's wife. You got to let this world go. If you want to be truly saved. Now, again, we're in the world, and I know there's some things that even on TV and movies that aren't bad that you can, you know, you're as a Christian, we have liberty, we're free to do. But if our heart, I mean, if you can go watch one of these movies where they trash the name of the Lord, where they do all sorts they're engaged in all sorts of immorality and and all sorts of wickedness, and you're saying hooray to that. Let me tell you something, you got a serious problem because you very well might have your heart in this world and you're not saved if your heart's in this world. You might be worldly and have a Christian heart, but you're not going to, if your heart's in this world, you are not saved. That's why Jesus in the context, the context is so critical here. Look what he says in verse number 33. He said, whoever seeks to save his life in this wicked world, To save the status quo. Will lose it. And whoever loses his life in this wicked world. Gives it up for the Lord. He will preserve it. In other words. If you're like Lot's wife. And you're not willing. To lose your old wicked life. Then you're going to lose Eventually, you're going to lose life itself. That's a very dire warning to the Christian church of the United States of America. Because too many people are still got their heart in a lot of wicked things. And that's the danger of calling evil good is because you somehow, you, you, what you're doing there, you're making wickedness good so you could still be a Christian and be wicked. You can't do that. If you're engaged in wickedness and you're enjoying that wickedness and you're okay with that wickedness, you're not saved. Remember Lot's wife. You're going to be destroyed. And what's really interesting here in this text is this warning is given in context of the rapture. uh, Put it all in context. Look, Look down at verse number 34. It says, I tell you that in that night when the rapture comes, there will be two men in one bed. Well, that's happening in America. But that's, you, Notice the man is in italics right here. That, what's that mean whenever you see a word in the English in italics in the Bible? It's not there in the Greek. It's two. More than like he's talking about a man and a wife. He says, I tell you that that night there will be two people in one bed, and one will be taken, and the other will be left. Who's going to be left? The people whose hearts are still in this wicked world. And I don't care if they call themselves Christians or not. If their heart is still in the world, the trumpet's going to blow and they're going to be left behind. Two, Two will be grinding together and one will be taken and the other will be left. Two will be in their field and one will be taken and the other will be left. And the people that are left are the people that are clinging to this world. Cling to the wicked things of this world. And, 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 and I, I, even the neutral things. If there's no love for the Lord. If there's no desire to want to be with the Lord. Why do you want to go to heaven anyway? I mean, if you hate worshiping the Lord and you hate praying to the Lord now. Why, why would you want to be in heaven? I mean if you have no longing for the Lord himself. Why? be in heaven anyway and you probably won't be there now the scene switches to hebron and abraham no doubt uh, the lord had told him the day and the hour when this judgment was coming and and uh when these cities on the jordanian plate would be destroyed so let's go back to genesis and let's see what happened in abraham's place in chapter 19 Verse number twenty seven. And Abraham went early in the morning. He knew this was going to happen at dawn, a couple of days after the Lord had visited with him. And Abraham went early in the morning in the place where he had stood before the Lord, and the Lord had told him about what he was going to be going to do. And remember, Abraham had, had had entered into intercessory prayer for the righteous in those cities. And he really, I had no have no doubt, he had a lot in mind. And then he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and he saw and behold the smoke of the land which went up like the smoke of a really really big furnace i i i can relate to that feeling that he must have had that day because i remember one morning september the 11th uh 2001 is that how long it's been I remember cutting on my TV and seeing planes flying into those towers in New York. And I remember in my gut, how, I knew that was a terrorist attack as soon as I saw it. I, I remember Katie Kirk said, I think they're having problems at the control tower at the airport. I'm like, you idiot, man. Come on. It's a terrorist attack. And then another one flew in. And obviously, they really were having problems at the control tower at that point. But I was sick in my gut. I mean, all the way down into my gut. And then I saw those people jumping off of those buildings. And I saw those towers fall. And it made me sick. But if you had asked me, did America deserve anything like that? I would say, we certainly do. We deserve a lot worse than that. That's only a warning shot over the bow. And that's what makes me sick even now. Is that the judgment's coming. And it's going to be a lot worse than 9-11. There's going to be a lot more towers come down than just... Two or three. There could be towers coming down all over this country when God judges this country. And and that sick feeling, I wondered even then if it was happening right then. If this was going to go on and and, and and this judgment was going to happen all over the country, you know, in the next few days. I, even after they shut down the flights, they put the flight got the flights back going again, you wondered if it was going to happen then. And it was just it just made you sick to your stomach. It made you mad. And it made you sick to your stomach. But here's Abraham, and, and, and uh, I, I think he's sick to his stomach, but also he was well aware of the wickedness of the people in Sodom, and so he understood that God had every right to judge those cities. Listen to what Jude says in, in verse number 7 of his little book. He says, Sodom and Gomorrah, listen very carefully, and the cities around them in a similar manner to these have given themselves over to sexual immorality, and they've gone after strange flesh. Strange flesh is is a lot of things, but it's homosexuality, it's bestiality, it's a lot of things. And God judged them. God judged them. And they're set forth as an example, Jude says, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire that everybody's going to suffer who goes the way of Sodom. And remember Lot's wife. If that's all, that stuff's okay with you. And you can look back at all of that and say it's okay. There's a problem. And Abraham was told by the Lord himself that the fire and brimstone was coming. And he knew the reason why it was coming. Why did the Lord tell him? Well, remember back in verse 18 of chapter I mean verse 19 of chapter 18. look at the middle part of that verse. It says that He may command His children and His household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord and do what is right in His eyes. Listen to me very carefully. That warning applies to everybody that you keep the way of the Lord and you do what is right, not in your own eyes but what is right in the Lord's eyes or less or else you will be judged. A nation who does what is right in their own eyes will be judged. And Abraham passed that warning down. He saw it with his own eyes. And I have no doubt he told Isaac about it. And Isaac told Jacob about it. And Jacob told his 12 sons about it. And one of those 12 sons was Levi and from Levi that tribe of Levi came Moses and Moses wrote this down for us so that we get that warning so that we pass it down to our children. You fathers want to pass something down to your children. You better do what is right in the Lord's eyes. If you're not going to do what is right in the Lord's eyes, you will be judged. But that's not the only lesson. I mean, you can't help here but seeing the mercy of God. The fact that God judges always in mercy. Always in mercy. You know, that fire and brimstone was mercy. Because, boom, they were out of there. They were destroyed instantly. If I was the Lord, good thing I'm not there. I would have been a lot slower than that. I mean, I want a fire and brimstone to come down out in traffic. <laughs> On everybody but me. God judges in mercy. Psalm 145. The Lord is good to all. All. And his mercies are over all his works. Even his judgment. His mercies trump his judgments. And he showered mercy, I believe, on the people of Sodom and Gomorrah by just wiping them out instantly. And he showed a lot of mercy to Lot. Now, why would he show so much mercy to a man who seemed to be so messed up? Well, look at verse number 29. It says, and it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow, which he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. You know why Lot was spared? Because of Abraham. That's the only reason he was spared. Now, Lot had saving faith. I have no doubt he had saving faith. 2 Peter, we're told that Lot was a righteous man. Goodness, that doesn't look like the Lot I'm reading about. But he's called a righteous man because he had, but you know why? Because he believed God, he had faith, and his faith was accounted to him for righteousness. That's how come he was a righteous man. But why did Lot have faith? Because faith is a gift from God, not of works, lest any man should boast. boast. So if you've got faith, it's a gift from God. Now why did Lot get the gift? Because the Lord remembered Abraham. That's why. He remembered that Abraham loved Lot like his own son. He loved him. He remembered that Abraham loved Lot so much that Abraham was willing to risk his life and take 300 men to go fight an army of four kings with thousands of soldiers to rescue Lot. He loved him that much. I actually, to me, if you look at it from the outside, it almost is as if he risked his own soul in this intercessory prayer he has with the Lord. I mean, he's actually questioning the goodness of the Lord in that intercessory prayer. God could have said, you just get out of here, bam. And so the Lord, in his mercy, sent Lot out of Sodom before it was destroyed because he remembered Abraham. Now, here's what I want you to see here. Very important lesson. For all of us on Wednesday night, it's a very important lesson. All Everybody comes over here and prays and we kind of flippantly lift somebody up for salvation. A very important lesson right here. And if you in your home prayer life, you kind of flippantly go through a list and you lift people up for intercession, you wonder why they never get saved. Well, there's a lesson right here. What's the lesson? Well, first of all, if you're going to pray for somebody and get God to act on behalf of your prayers, You've got to take some risk. You've got to be willing to take risk to help those people. You know, are you willing to, 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 to risk embarrassment? Are you re- willing to risk rejection? Are you willing to, to, to even risk your life in order to get one of your relatives? Are you, to risk your time, to risk your money to see somebody saved? I mean, if you, if you don't love those people, you're not going to take any risk. And God's not going to answer your prayer. See, Abraham showed that he really cared for Lot and wanted Lot to make it to heaven by the risk that he took to save Lot's physical life. And then the other thing that you've got to be able to do, you've got to boldly come Get face to face with the Lord and plead for his mercy for yourself and on behalf of that person you're praying for. And that takes some serious, serious prayer. And if you truly love somebody, you truly want to get them saved, that's what it's going to take. You can't just say, let's pray for so-and-so and really not really give a flip about them as far as the rest of your life goes. You've got to take some risk. You've got to take time to go meet with those people. You've got to take time to love those people. You've got to take time to talk to those people. You've got to take time in a relationship with those people. That's why a relationship uh, evangelism to me is the, is the most effective. maybe the only effective evangelism. To where you enter into relationships in order to help people get saved. You take risk that they're not going to like you. That they're going to reject you. And you spend time with them, one-on-one. And then you boldly go before the Lord and you say, Lord, please, if there's any righteousness in them, if there's 10% of them's righteousness, get them saved and let them be 100% righteous. Now this scene goes back to Lot in verse number 30. Then Lot went up to Zor, out of Zor, and dwelt in the mountains. I love this. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm a city boy. I've got to be where there's grocery stores and there's a mall, and, and please let me let, stay in the city. And, and they said, yeah, well, you, you can stay in the city. It's, it's off the Jordanian plain a little bit, and you'll be okay, and we're not going to destroy it. And, and then all of a sudden, Lot sees fire and brimstone coming down from heaven, and he hightails it out of Zor. And he heads to the mountains just like the angel of the Lord had told him to do in the first place. I mean, as far as they knew, the whole civilized world was being wiped out. I mean, it'd be like staying in New Jersey and watching all of New York blow up. You might want to head south or head to the mountains or something. And so uh, and so it's, uh, he, he heads to the mountains. He says, then Lot went up from out of Zor and dwelt in the mountains and his two daughters were with him for he was afraid to dwell in Zor and he and his two daughters watch this here's this mighty man of Sodom sitting at the gates of Sodom one of the most prosperous men on earth at that time and now where is he living he's living in a cave remember I talked about the cost of worldliness a few weeks ago there's a cost for worldliness at some point he was a worldly man, but you're going to end up in a cave somewhere, a spiritual cave or a physical cave. If, you're, if, if your heart's kind of riding the fence, that's where you're going to end up, and that's what happened to Lot. He's dwelling now in a cave. And then in verse 31, Now the firstborn said, they're in the cave for a while, and the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is No man on earth to come into us, as is the custom of all the earth. One of the things I kind of question here, why didn't Lot head to Hebron to see Abraham? Well, I think you could propose a couple of reasons. One is that he was embarrassed. Here was this guy who was very prosperous, almost as prosperous as Abraham, and he had lost everything. He hadn't had much more than the shirt on his back. And he was embarrassed to go back to Abraham after all that had happened because he knew that he shouldn't have been in Sodom. He knew that all along. But I I don't know if that's the reason. When you read this, verse 31, and it says that there is no man on earth to come into us, I believe that Lot and his two daughters thought at this point that all of civilization had been destroyed, that they were the only people left on earth. And that's why he didn't go find Abraham. Then verse number thirty two, he says, Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him that we may preserve the lineage of our father. Now that's really interesting to me. I don't know, maybe they had a couple of donkeys or stuff, but here they're living in this probably this big mansion in Sodom. They got all this stuff. And 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 they and and they they're told they got to get out overnight and and pack as much as you can take on a couple of donkeys and, and that's it. And what do they pack? Wine. Wine. They, they, said they, they had to get that wine from somewhere. They had to bring it out of Sodom. And you, you could tell a lot about what you, a lot, no pun intended again. You could tell a lot about what you, uh, what, where your heart's at by what you would bring out of your house if it was burning down. Now, if you'd go into your house and leave your kids in there and get a couple of bottles of wine out of there, that probably doesn't speak very well of your character. But they're, they're, running from, they're running from Sodom, and what do they do? They, 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 they've got wine. And then in verse number 33, so they made their father drink wine that night. I don't know how, he, I don't make him. They, they, uh, they convinced him to drink wine that night. Look, it's really bad. Let's get drunk, Dad. And I think I say, he said, sure. Kind of like Noah when he got off the ark. And the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and he did not know when she lay down with him. So he was so drunk that she virtually raped him. His own daughter raped him. And it happened on the next day that the firstborn said to the younger, Indeed, I lay with my father last night. Let us make him drink wine again tonight also, and you go in and lie with him that we may preserve the lineage of our father. Then they made their father drink wine that night also, got him drunk again. And the younger arose and lay down with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. And thus both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. I mean, can this story get any more sorted than this? I mean, this is terrible. You know, I got to wonder why God didn't just, destroy them with Sodom. Even if they were saved, get them on either so they couldn't do any more wicked things. Lord, you don't want them having raping their father and having kids through their own father. I mean that would seem to me that that whole group of descendants that came forth from Lot's two daughters were doomed to hell. Why let them even get that far because the Lord knows the future. But the Lord's judgments are tempered by his mercies. All his works are covered by his mercies. Look at verse 37, 38. I, I can tell you God had a plan in this. And I think I can show you the plan. You look at these last two verses. Look at, look at what happens here. It says, the firstborn bore a son. and he called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. And the younger, she also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami, the son of nothing. He is the father of the people of Ammon to this day. Now, you all know about the, you've studied the Bible enough to know about the Ammonites and the Moabites. For most of their history especially during the exodus they were the arch enemy of israel why in the world would god allow them to even exist doesn't sound to me like anything good came out of this but it's really interesting when you get to the book of jeremiah and jeremiah prophesies about the millennium There's two nations there that show up in the millennium on the east side of the Jordan, Ammon and the Moabites. They make it to the millennium. Now, they've been assimilated now by the Arabs, but one day there's going to be two nations there, the Ammonites and the Moabites, because God judges in mercy. But there's a greater mercy that's in this little story. From the nation of Moab came a Moabitess named Ruth. All, you, all of y'all know the story. I'd love to sit here and tell you. If y'all want to stay another hour, I'll tell you the story about Ruth. But what a great story. She's the great grandmother of David. And not only that, she ends up right there in the midst of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. You look at Matthew chapter 1 verse 5 and there is Ruth the Boabitus, In the genealogy of Jesus Christ himself. An accident? No, that wasn't an accident. She was she was chosen before the foundation of the world. To be in the genealogy, everybody on that list was chosen before the foundation of the world to be on that list. To be in the line of Jesus Christ. i got to tell you, it just never ceases to amaze me, the wisdom and mercy of God. He's always working good through our most evil works. He's working good. But remember Lot's wife. If you're like Lot's wife, he can't help you. If you aren't willing to lose your life in this wicked world so that you can have the new life, the eternal life, the abundant life that Jesus offers, then you put yourself out of the reach of God's mercy and love. And instead, you put yourself in the danger of eternal wrath. A serious, serious warning. That's why the Bible says, work out your soul Work out your own salvation with, with fear and trembling. Remember Lot's wife. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for this great warning here. Lord, I, if there's anyone here who, who, Lord, is still living for this wicked world, Lord, let this be their wake-up call to turn to you, to turn to Christ in a real and sincere way. Lord, and, and Lord we, just, we just thank you for your mercy. You're dragging, we're clinging in your dragging us. We're clinging in your dragging us. All the way, you're dragging us all the way to heaven, Lord, if we have real faith. Lord, the faith that comes through belief in Jesus Christ, the faith that makes us righteousness righteous through his blood. We just thank you for that faith. It's a gift from you, uh, so there's no boasting. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.